it's Veterans Day here in the United States, so I know you know we have some obviously veterans that are on with the LPL, LPL advisors, but clearly around the around the entire United States. So thank you to all of our veterans today. I know my grandpa passed away two years ago was a veteran, so hi, grandpa. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch, and I'm Ryan Dietrich. Jeff, how is life up in Boston treating you? Treating me pretty well here, Ryan. Although I got to tell you. Uh, a little nervous. Tomorrow is the uh, 14th wedding anniversary, so I hope uh, I hope I can survive. Do something nice for my wife Debbie. That's that's the big news uh, well, up here. Let's talk about that. What are you doing for? She's not going to hear this till it's live. And does, does, first off, does your wife even listen to this podcast? Because I'll just be totally honest. Mine, I don't even know if mine knows I have a podcast. My wife knows that we do this, right? But uh, she has not. Okay. Listen. Well, let's act I like did, she's going to show her a snippet oh. from the LPL Live Focus. Oh yeah presentation because that was um, really neat it's kind of like being on TV so mm-hmm. she did watch a little bit of that but uh, that, mm-hmm. that's been it we haven't quite gotten her into the podcast yet I, yeah. I should probably do that we can boost our uh, our listenership here as long as they don't give us a bad rating <laughs> I know you gotta be careful with the, the close siblings there sometimes but um so what are you gonna do I mean, let's talk about it. this is very important what are you thinking you're gonna do for the big 14th anniversary on Tuesday well we're, we're gonna go out uh, to a nice dinner I know that's Good. pretty cliche but we're mm-hmm. we're planning um you know day trip up to the berkshires um don't know exactly when we're going to do that but uh, it's just really nice especially this time of year awesome well that's well great well enjoy that congratulations like we just talked about before we hit record here i just had our well my wife emily and i just had our 13th wedding anniversary so as i, I joked i'm on your heels and terrence who's always here from our communications marketing team when did you get married terrence a couple months ago uh, about a month ago. About a month ago. So we were joking Terrence is still in the honeymoon phase. But nonetheless, a lot of a lot of things going on right around this time of year. And on, also, Jeff, so again, congratulations on 14 years. I hope you have an awesome anniversary. My daughter, Susanna, just turned 12, and we had a birthday party on Friday night with seven total girls in our house. And I'll just say this. I'm sure some of us have been there before with the preteens and teenagers. They are loud. I've never seen so much loud noise in my house with those girls. They're just talking, but they all just scream at each other. But we uh, <laughs> we survived. So, how old are your your oldest daughter again, Jeff? Yeah, she just turned ten. So okay, we're not quite preteen phase, but we're getting there. There we go. Cool. So thanks for the warning. Well, I mean, she's not too bad. It's just they're just loud. But um, anyway, with 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 uh, some of that fun stuff out of the way, again, thanks everyone for being here to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. This week we're going to focus on three things. It's kind of a tale of two economies. Productivity has been weakening, but the consumer is still strong. That's this week's weekly market commentary that Jeff put together. We're going to start focusing on that here soon. Also, we're going to take the latest look at trade. U.S. and China trade talks continue to kind of you wait a day, you hear something new. We're going to give our opinions on where things are standing uh, as of at least Monday morning, the time we're recording this podcast. And then the global stock market rally. Various markets around the globe are breaking out to either 52-week highs or actually all-time highs. Now, that's kind of different than what we saw this time last year, where we saw some weakness around the globe, and then obviously it led to a very big sell-off in December of last year. Uh, so the globe looks really strong with a lot of participation. But Jeff, let's just let's get right into it. This week's weekly market 
commentary. I have it right in front of me. We titled it A Tale of Two Economies. What we're getting at is the consumer continues to look quite strong. And I'll let you talk about the GDP number that we focused on in the um, in the weekly market commentary. But then business spending, specifically CapEx, capital expenditures, continues to lag. So again, that's I like why we titled it A Tale of Two Economies. Tell, tell me, Jeff, which... Uh, well, let's start with the consumer, I guess. Why is the consumer in such good shape, you think, if, if businesses are so worried? Yeah, well, the job market's strong, and wages are rising nicely. Uh, that's uh, probably um, that's a good answer. The, the bulk of the story there. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the trade situation, of course, has caused businesses to pull back on capital investment. It hasn't affected consumers directly uh, quite as much, right? I mean, we have these tariffs threatened on consumer goods, that'll probably be pulled back right. in December. But uh, if you look at the inflation data, it's not like consumers are being forced to pay significantly higher prices at this point because of the tariffs on Chinese imports, right? So as long as um, the job market is strong, wages are rising, uh, consumers are going to continue to spend. It, it really takes a lot to knock consumers off of their spending trend. And, and the best news there is that with the U.S. economy being 70% consumer-driven, uh, it's really, really difficult to envision a recession anytime soon, So, Jeff, even you, with weak capital investment. No, exactly. So I guess you're telling me that tomorrow for the anniversary you're going to go to the extra expensive restaurant because Debbie earns it and, and deserves it, but nonetheless, <laughs> you're trying to help the economy too, right? <laughs> yes, maybe you'll see a spike in jewelry store sales Ooh, this look week. you. Good man. Good day. job. We'll yeah. See. Yeah, so, you know, we did have the recent employment number. Non-farm payrolls came in. The 12-month average is solid, 175000 Pretty much right in line, actually, with where we've been this cycle for the past 10 years. And like you said, Jeff, wage growth consistently has been right around 3%. Now, you mentioned the word inflation, and that just actually got my attention. This morning, Jeff, and you didn't know I was going to ask you this, but hey, this is what a live podcast will do. We did see eight-year highs in CPI out of China. So we're not really, in the U.S., necessarily seeing spikes in, in inflation, but boy, it seems like China might be. Do you have any off-the-cuff reason why that could be happening to them and not us necessarily? I, I think that was driven mostly by higher pork prices. So that's kind of a, a one-off Got that it. probably will be resolved uh, at some point in, in, in the coming months. They've got a shortage, you know, swine flu, and um, and then the trade conflict has added to the pressure. Right on pork supplies. So um, I wouldn't expect a sustained uh, move higher in inflation in China. Uh, they probably should be on a similar trajectory to ours, maybe gradually rising uh, inflation, not, not huge spikes. Okay, makes sense. So I know our GDP number came in in the third quarter uh, just recently at 1.9%. If you look under the surface, who kind of added to it and who who did what? You know, the, the consumer spending was really, the consumption was 1.9%. So you could argue all of the gains came from there. And let's go to the second part of this, Jeff, where we've got the consumer in good health. We've seen two straight uh, contractions or, or taking away from GDP prints the last two quarters as it comes to business investment. And that's the first time we've seen that in a while. And again, I think it really hammers home the concerns with China, which we're going to discuss. But tell us a little bit more, Jeff, on why can the consumer strong, we did that one, but why businesses seem to just kind of be so taking things so calmly here and just really waiting, I guess you could say, uh, for that for some clarity on trade. Well, when companies invest, they're really making a bet on the next three to five years at least, 
right? Capital investment right. has a, a, a longer life to it, of course, and so they really want to be careful. Uh, most of consumer spending, retail sales, you know, is, is more short-term, right? We don't have to think about the year 2024 uh, when we, um, you know, go on Amazon or you know, go to the mall and, and buy clothes or anything like that. So um, I, th- I think the, um, the CFOs and CEOs are just looking longer out. And so in an environment where they don't know what their cost structure looks like, right, they don't know what tariffs are going to be in place on a sustained basis and, and which ones are going to be eliminated, um, it's really hard to plan, right? Uh, you don't know if you need to move your plants out of China or not, depending on how this play, plays out. So it's just a really uncertain environment. And, you know, you see it. There's a recent survey comes out of Duke University about CFOs and what their views are on the economy. And, and they're pretty pretty dire. So consumers are a lot more confident. You look at CEO confidence or CFO confidence and compare it to consumer confidence, it's, it's uh, night and day. So what does that mean? It means if we're going to get this economy growing faster, probably the only way to do it is to make more progress on trade, get CEOs and CFOs more confident, and then that should uh, stimulate more uh, capital investment. Now you mentioned Duke. You're not biased at all with Duke, are you, by chance? No, no bias at all. But I was very disappointed when my Kansas Jayhawks uh, lost to them in basketball the other day. So, no, I'm not a big Duke fan, even though I uh, went to grad school there. So uh, I just want to keep those Carolina fans happy uh, down there in, in, in Charlotte. Well, how about the Carolina fans? I mean, this is going to hurt a lot of people, but Appalachian State beat North Carolina and South Carolina in football. I'm more of a Gamecocks fan, just kind of where I moved and some of the friends I've made, but oh boy, that's uh, I know that's upsetting a lot of people down here. Uh, so, so Jeff, let's maybe t- let's shift gears for a second. So, th- let's look at manufacturing, right? I mean, manufacturing this kind of goes into the whole productivity theme. Uh, productivity is really dropped off the map as we talked about last week with third quarter productivity negative for the first time since late 2015. But when we look under the surface at some of the manufacturing data, specifically the global PMI. It came in in October at 49.8. So that's under 50. That's contraction. Now, three straight months, we've seen global manufacturing actually increase for the first time since right before the trade trade war, trade issues started in early 2018. And we've also seen emerging market PMI manufacturing at a 15-month high. Canadian um, manufacturing data has been expansionary two months in a row. I mean, you hear about Germany's in a recession because of manufacturing, yet the German DAX, which we're going to talk about globally here, is literally making 52-week highs as we speak, or at least it did on Friday. Um, you know, the manufacturing looks like maybe, just maybe, you're saying there's a chance we could be finding some type of a bottom. Do you see that when you look at the data? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that's why you've seen international equity markets rally a little bit harder than U.S. equity markets recently. I mean, the, the trade progress helps, but uh, certainly we have seen evidence of stabilizing growth in Europe, uh, Japan, and the emerging world. This is really important. You know, this is kind of your territory, Ryan. You know, let me ask you uh, the question. How much does a bull market that has global breadth look better 
than one maybe where the U.S. is is leading and everything else is kind of lagging behind. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot better. You know, you look about last year, the U.S. was making new all-time highs, S&P 500, in September. I forget the exact day, September 20th or 21st. Somewhere around there is the last all-time high that we had before the eventual 19.8% correction. But one of the knocks all year that we had on, you know, not the U.S., U.S. is doing great, but the rest of the world, emerging markets, developed markets, were, were underperforming fairly significantly. You fast forward to where we are right now, and, and again, I know we're going to kind of talk globally here in a minute, but you have various markets making 52-week highs and, and all-time highs, so it is a drastically different backdrop, I think, uh, now versus then. And remember then was the fourth quarter when we lost 14%, worst fourth quarter since financial crisis, the worst December for stocks since the Great Depression. All of those things kind of played in, but we have a much healthier backdrop for, I think, uh, the a continuation of this bull market. You know, speaking about bull markets, I'm probably going to write about this on our blog probably on Tuesday. And now that I'm putting it out there, I think I absolutely better do it on Tuesday. But you look at, you know, the length of this bull market, it's at 128 months, which is significantly longer than any other bull market we've ever seen. But in terms of magnitude, you know, the 1990s bull market gained 417%. This current one, I'm going to say only, is only around 370%. So it's <laughs> not minimizing it. But again, you say this is the greatest bull market ever. In terms of gains, we're still not even above where we were in the 1990s. So that's uh, something I think to, uh, at least for some to think about. Now, Jeff, let's go back to productivity just for a second. We'll wrap this up and then go into trade. Third quarter non-farm productivity dropped 0.3%, which was the first decline that we've seen since the fourth quarter of 2015, which really was, as we know now, probably more of an industrial recession, an earnings recession. We didn't quite get a quote-unquote recession on the U.S. economy, uh, but we, oh boy, we were close. Um, so, you know, as productivity's dropped, that kind of leads into trade. I mean, first off, any other final comments on the productivity number that dropped, and then we can get into trade? Yeah, I, I guess um, one data point doesn't make a trend. So, you know, since 2016, productivity has been on the upswing. You know, I'd like to think that, you know, the strong three years means more than the one slightly weak quarter. That, that's my first comment. Also, if you look at R&D spending, I mean, we know what's happening with the technology revolution, uh, mobility and cloud and artificial intelligence and all that stuff, right? That is, these are huge secular trends that are driving uh, productivity, and those didn't go away in one quarter, right? Companies are becoming more and more efficient every day. So I really think this uptrend we've been in for a few years is going to continue. Frankly, the only thing that can probably stop it is uh, another escalation in the trade war. So, and hopefully that won't happen. You know, we've seen pretty good R&D spending. So that, that sort of conflicts, too, with uh, the productivity data. So, you know, the market obviously just totally shrugged it off, right? I mean, fifth straight exactly. up week last week, mm -hmm. series of all-time highs, pretty close to 3,100 on the S&P before we started to uh, pull back a little bit here on, uh, on Monday. So um, I think there are reasons... Uh, to uh, maybe not totally dismiss, but certainly to uh, de-emphasize that one productivity number. Yeah, don't forget what the great investor Yoda said, one data point a trend does not make. I know John has used that before, so you know, productivity drop. But let's go to trade now, Jeff. On Thursday, there was many comments that the U.S. was going to roll back tariffs across the board. And then on Friday, President Trump said, quote-unquote, I didn't agree to anything. And that kind of led to some concern that maybe we're not going to see as many rollbacks as we want. And then I didn't even think of this, but well, something else is being kind of 
discussed or maybe you could say argued back and forth is when they eventually do sign phase one, which we still think is quite likely sometime this year. The U.S. and China are actually having trouble agreeing on a um, location. You know, the U.S. wants it here. China might want it in China or maybe somewhere more neutral to not to show, okay, well, if it's signed in the U.S., maybe that's a sign the U.S. has kind of got the upper hand on phase one. I mean, Jeff, where do we stand, you think, on phase one, and can we get that signed, sealed, and delivered before 2020 rolls around? Yeah, I'm totally with you, Ryan, that this will probably get done this year. That's a little bit of a delay from what we thought would be mid-November. The reason for that is because the um, economic summit in Chile was uh, canceled. You know, it's hard to say where it's going to be, but I think the most important point here is that that is a point of negotiation. And so if China is going to let uh, President Trump sign this thing in Iowa and win political points with the farmers, they're going to want something in exchange. So I think if this is going to be uh, signed in farm country here in the U.S., then you might see tariffs possibly roll back a little bit more than you might otherwise, or there'll be some other component to this negotiation where uh, President Trump maybe gives a little bit more than he has indicated uh, that he would. The the other point I want to make on this, Ryan, is that there's a lot of room between no tariffs and 25% tariffs. And similarly, there's a lot of room across dozens and dozens of different leverage points in this negotiation. So when you have a negotiation where you can trade off, you know, dozens and dozens of different things, and there's a lot of room for both sides to give or get in each of those points, I think it just increases the chances that we get a deal, right? So President Trump is is right. You know, obviously he holds the cards. He hasn't agreed to anything, but I think it's pretty clear that he has endorsed his people Right, the lead negotiators giving on the tariff issue, rolling back December tariffs, probably uh, rolling back what just went into effect uh, last month, and then maybe reducing the tariff rates on the on the tariffs that went into effect uh, well before that. So, a lot of room for negotiation. We're still uh, very optimistic that something gets done uh, this year. But like we've said, really for the past. 18 months, there's still risk. And um, given President Trump's negotiation style, you never know what's going to happen. That That is very true. You know, I'm just reading some quotes from a Reuters article from President Trump. He made them on Friday. I'd like to make a deal, but it's got to be the right deal. And he said, China very much wants to make a deal, President Trump added. They're having the worst year they've had in 57 years. Their supply chain is all broken. Um, then he ends it with, um, I don't know, I don't care, it's up to them. So anyway, so you know, we are inching closer, I think, but, but clearly there's little ways to go. Now, Jeff, today is November 11th, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, and I didn't. So it's, it's Veterans Day here in the United States. So I know, you know we have some, obviously, veterans that are on with LPL, LPL advisors, but clearly around the, around the entire United States. So thank you to all of our veterans today. I know my grandpa who passed away two years ago was a veteran, so hi, Grandpa. Um, Jeff, any veterans in your family by chance? Uh, well, my father was in the reserves, so never saw active duty. Um, so no no veterans in my immediate family. Um, but um, that certainly doesn't uh, change the fact uh, that uh, I'm very grateful for the sacrifice that the veterans have made. Um, it's uh, it's a special day. We should appreciate the veterans every day. Right. Of course, I know uh, we all do. But uh, nice that they have a day where we can really, really focus. Um, so uh, if you see a veteran today or active military, um, say thanks. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, my father was like, in the re- my father's in the reserves as well. Totally agree. But also November 11th is what they call Singles Day over in China, and you hear Singles Day, but it's actually kind of their Black Friday. So we'll we'll dive in more into that kind of what uh, happens. I mean, like. You know, the GDP, as President Trump said, their, their economy has been weakening, but their GDP numbers are near 26, 27-year lows. So we'll, we'll get more uh, kind of opinion on how China is doing after Singles Day and how much, um, I guess, retail they sell on that particular day. So, Jeff, let's wrap things up. We have here, we've got about three minutes to go as we talked about globally. Now, Jeff... I've got some notes here. I'm just going to read them. New all-time highs made last week in the United States of S&P 500, in Canada, in India, and in Switzerland. 52-week highs in France, Germany, Greece. Remember the disaster Greece was? They're making 52-week highs. Japan breaking out of a 26-year low. Netherlands at all-time highs. Russia, Taiwan at 52-week highs. You kind of asked me already, and I kind of loaded, the, you know, already answered that, but we are seeing a global bull market. And in some cases, a lot of these European countries are still not even at all-time highs, right? I mean, Japan's breaking out of a 26-year base, and they're still nowhere near all-time highs. So you could argue there is still a lot more potential participation and strength to come, and things really look good. Now, Jeff, I know you put together a blog on Friday, lplresearch.com. I mean, what's your takeaway? I mean, strength looks good, right? Globally, this is this is impressive, I think. Yeah, we've had some head fakes on international uh, stock markets in the last few years. Uh, you know, it's sort of like um, uh, there's built-in skepticism, right? When something doesn't work for so long, I'm talking about international stocks relative to the U.S. Right. Uh, eventually, you know, people throw in the towel. And I think now the sentiment is starting to turn and it's gotten our attention. This recent outperformance of international uh, equity markets could continue. And probably the biggest reason why... Um, you know, it makes sense to pay attention here is because the, you mentioned it before, global economic growth is stabilizing. Now, progress on trade is probably part of that. But if you look at some of the data that has some leading or predictive ability historically, things are getting better. So um, you have to say that this could be real. And, uh, you know, perhaps the best reason or the best news for individual investors is that globally diversified portfolios are doing better right now. Absolutely. I mean, uh, maybe to kind of put a bow on it, it was about three weeks ago we were hearing talks how Germany was in a recession. There were headline stories about Germany in a recession. And maybe we look back and maybe they did enter a modest recession. But the German DAX is, has broken out and is making 52-week highs and is starting to lead in Europe. So Germany is clearly one of the biggest cogs in Europe. And you could argue one of the biggest cogs around the world when it comes to the global economy. So that absolutely is a positive uh, sign, we think. So, Jeff, I'll, I'll sign off here in a second, but I'll let you say goodbye. And uh, thanks a lot, Jeff. We had a, had a lot of fun this week. Take it away, Jeff. Yeah, me too. Thanks to all the veterans. Uh, happy anniversary, honey. And um, look for um, more from us on our 2020 outlook here um, over the next uh, couple of weeks. We are putting the finishing touches on the draft for that. It's really, really looking good. Looking forward to getting that out to every everybody here uh first couple days of December. That's that's right, Jeff. Well, thank you again to all of our listeners. Uh, please, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us, lplmarketsignalspodcast at lpl.com. Again, thank you very much to all the veterans out there on your special day, but obviously every day when we should thank you, but definitely on your special day. So thanks, everyone. We'll be back next week to do it all again. And like Jeff said, we're inching closer to our 2020 outlooks. So we're going to have a lot to say as we head into next year. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Well, that's it for this episode. 
Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.